Welcome to the Pretty Powerful Podcast, where powerful women are interviewed every week to share real inspiring stories and incredible insight to help women or anyone break the barriers, be a part of innovation, shatter the glass ceiling, and dominate to the top of their sport, industry, or life's mission. Join us as we celebrate exceptional women and step into our power. And now, here's your host, Angela Gennari. Hello, welcome to the Pretty Powerful Podcast. I am your host, Angela Gennari. Today, we are speaking with Danny DeNovo. Thank you, Danny, for joining us today. Oh, it's wonderful to be here. Thank you. So I want to tell you guys a little bit about Danny. Danny DeNovo is a happiness coach and international best-selling author. After having battled depression and anxiety for most of her early life, Danny set out on a course to learn what true happiness was for her and for the sake of her baby girl. Now, Danny regularly ap- appears on ABC, Fox, NBC, and CBS TV News and talk shows as an expert on creating happiness, combating loneliness and depression, and managing anxiety. Very impressive. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, it's so good to talk to you today. So I wanted to start by asking what led you down this path? It's a very unique path. It is. You know, I I have kind of a long story, so feel free to jump in wherever. But um, in my early teens and into my twenties, I went through a really bad depression. So mm-hmm. it started out, I just thought I wasn't feeling well. I begged my parents to take me to the doctor and of course everything checks out. And then eventually someone said, why don't you talk to somebody? Yeah. So at 16, I'm sitting across the table from this woman and I tell her what's going on. And she said, honey, you're depressed. And I said, I don't have anything to be depressed about. You don't understand. I go to a good school. I have good grades. I've got friends. I have a horse. Like, what do I have to be depressed about? And she said, honey, I think you're depressed. And so the next phone call was to a doctor and it started me on all these medications, which I just didn't really do very well with. Fast forward into after my first year of college, I just completely bottomed out. And so I ended up leaving school and checking myself into a mental institution because I was so suicidal. So of course I'm on more medication, totally freaked out by the fact that, you know, now I'm like sort of dubbed crazy. Right. Mm. And, uh, and I, I leave, I try to get my life back together. It's not working. And then a few months later I crashed again and I went back in and I knew that if I left again, there was no way that I was going to make it. I was going to end my life. I had done too many things toward that end already. Mm. And, uh, and I just felt lost and out of options. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm staring out at the moon, looking through the bars on my window, right? And just kind of wondering what's happened in my life and and trying to cry myself to sleep. And so finally the morning comes and I make the decision that, you know, if I'm not going to end my life, then I need, I need help. Then I'm going to find a way to get out of, out of this because I wasn't going to live my life like that. And I wasn't going to be the young girl in the psych ward anymore. So mm-hmm. I went to the head psychiatrist the next day and I said, Hey, I, I need another option because you're going to discharge me. And I'm uh, that's going to be it. And they said, well, we've done everything we can. And I said, well, you've, you've got, there's got to be something else. And she said, the only other thing that we have to offer you is electroshock therapy. And mm. I said, okay, because, you know, what do I know? I'm 19. I have no life experience. There's no one there advocating for me. I just want to get out and get better. Right. So I signed on the dotted line. And, you know, the next morning I got wheeled down into the secret parts of the mental institution 
And they took me through these big brass doors into this room that looked like Frankenstein's laboratory, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I got strapped down and I, you know, behind me comes this giant orderly with these big probes in his hand. And next wow. thing I know, I wake up and, and I felt like I got hit in the head with a sledgehammer. And so I went through these treatments every other day for weeks upon weeks until one day I'm having dinner with my little brother. And he's telling a story about us growing up, riding our ponies together. And he's very animated about it. It's got all this detail. It's obviously a very important memory for him. Right. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, you know, going, going, going. And, and I, I've, I have no recollection of what he's talking about. And he can see the blank expression on my face. And so now he's getting upset because he's like, Danny, there's no way you don't remember this. And so I started faking it and saying, yeah, 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 of course. Yeah, this and that, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of repeating details back to him. And I pushed myself away from the dinner table. I ran into my bedroom and I pulled out my photo album out from under my bed. And I started looking at pictures and I realized I had almost no recollection of my childhood. It was just completely wow. gone. And so that really scared me. So the next time I went back in to get my treatment, uh, I was like, Hey, I'm good. I'm not depressed anymore. Let's just stop. I physically, I was so beat up too. It was just taking so much out of me. And they said, okay, we'll show us, you know, get back into school, do what you have to do, which I did. And I just started faking being happy because I couldn't handle the alternative. Right. And so I I faked it enough to graduate college. And then I got into law school and I faked my way through law school and then life takes over. Right. I got a job. I got married. I bought a house and I was functioning. Right. Like I was going to work every day. I was paying the bills. I was going to the grocery store, but I was living a pretty miserable life. And then my daughter shows up. Right. And Mm. And one night I'm making dinner, I'm stirring a pot on the stove and she's about a year old. She's sitting on the floor and she's got her little play bowl and spoon that she was playing mm-hmm. with, with me, right? And she picks it up and she looks up at me with her big brown eyes and she starts mimicking Aww. what I was doing. Now, this was my, my first and only kid. I'd never seen anything like this. I thought it was mm-hmm. so great, right? Like a little human being. And I said, oh yeah, just like mommy. And then I almost fainted on top of her. I just had this crushing wave of nausea hit me because I realized she was copying me. Mm. She was doing everything just like mommy. And I was teaching her how to live a very lonely, depressed and unfulfilled life. And so right then and there, I made the decision that was it. I was going to learn how to be happy for the sake of my daughter. I didn't think I could be happy. I just didn't Mm -hmm. think I was wired that way, but I was not going to let her be like mommy, right? And go through what I had gone through. So I thought I could learn this stuff to teach her. And of course, once you start learning it and really engrossing yourself in it, I mean, I was studying all over the world, gurus, Mm -hmm. philosophers, anything you could think of. Uh, Once you start implementing it, obviously it changed my life very, very rapidly. And I realized I could teach her. And then I started teaching some people around me. And then I was like, oh, you know, this stuff is so good. There's Uh so many people out there suffering, you know, without any reason. Why Mm -hmm. can't I teach everyone else? And so that's how I made the switch to being the happiness coach. Wow. That's, that's amazing. You went from being depressed your entire life to the happiness coach and just really just through resisting this idea that you were just going to be depressed for the rest of your life. And I I love that. I think that's, that's an incredible journey. Um, And I give you a lot of credit for, for knowing what it was going to take to pull yourself out of that and refusing to believe that this was, this was your destiny. Right. Well, you know, I don't know if I necessarily believe that at the beginning, but I, I definitely, um, you know, 
when you don't know any better, when the people around you are kind of living the same sort of life, obviously not to the extent that I was right. You just kind of don't expect there's just, you just think there's people out there who are born like this. That's just how they are. Right. And this is just how I am. And, and so much of the journey was really about changing that belief about, Mm. you know, believing who I was and who I could be and what that meant and how I didn't have to size myself up against the norm and everything else. So, uh, it's, it, it is a, it's a brave journey only because it really makes you step outside of yourself and, and allow yourself to see yourself differently. Wow. That's amazing. Well, good for you. Well, and one thing, you know, we, we talk a lot about work and business and everything else on this podcast and, you know, women in their careers, but there's nothing that's more jarring when you're in your career than something going on internally. You know, when you are not internally in a good place, it's really hard to make other things happen. And so I think this ties in so well with what we're trying to do with pretty powerful podcast in that, you know, if you are not internally operating in a good you know, if you don't feel good about what you're doing, it's really hard to put one foot in front of the other and make stuff happen in your, in your outside life. Right. And if you're not feeling good about yourself and just generally your self-image, right. That Mm. plays into everything that you're doing. So how you view yourself, what you believe about yourself is how you view your life. Absolutely. So yeah. If and, and if you're on autopilot and you're just kind of, you know, like the, the ball and the pinball machine, then there's really not a whole lot that's going to happen as far as the direction that you want it to go in. Right. Absolutely. So, you know, as entrepreneurs, we usually, um, I, I always say it's a very lonely place to be as an entrepreneur. And you might also find that to be when you're writing books, because there's not a whole lot of outside feedback that necessarily works. It's an internal process, right? Developing an idea, creating a business, writing a book. And so it can become very lonely. So tell me a little bit, you talk about the consequences of loneliness. So tell me about what that means. Well, I think loneliness stems from this idea of believing that happiness comes from an external source from Mm -hmm, you. mm -hmm. And once you pull that back in and you realize that, you know, it's all about you, it's coming from you, it's directed from you, then, then you can sort of change that mindset again. Right. Mm -hmm. And I really tie my, my feelings of, of loneliness prior to everything, to having a lack of spirituality, because once you feel connected to everything, right. To source God, whatever you want to call it, then that loneliness goes away. When you realize you're part of this, you know, whole and that you're an important part of it, then even if you're alone, you aren't lonely. And so, yeah, can these, can these journeys be a little bit isolating at times? Absolutely. Because as you grow, that energy is going to shift and people are going to leave before the new people right. come in. And, mm-hmm. and a lot of this is self-directed. So yeah, sometimes you just need that time to pull back from the world and have your own little space. But I, I don't feel lonely anymore. There are times very yeah. much when I am alone, but I know that there's so much good coming from me. And then anytime that, you know, I, I want to reach out and to have some greater connection with human beings in whatever sense, you mm-hmm. know, then I find that the universe provides that for me. So again, it's really just sort of a mindset. If you're going to sit here and feel sorry for yourself and say, I'm lonely because there's no one around and there's nothing here. Well, then the universe says, okay, that's, that's what we're going to give you. Right. But right. when you're like, when I'm connected and I, and, and I want to share and, and that spirit of, giving and generosity is there, then it's going to be reciprocated. Right. Right. 
Absolutely. It's great. That's great advice. Um, so, you know, you're talking to all these major TV networks and, you know, you're talking about happiness and um, what, what do you tell people who are going through tough times in life? What, what advice do you give when you're talking about happiness, um, you know, to a mass audience, because you really are, you know, you really have to touch those people where they are in that moment. What do you tell people when they're going through these tough times? Yeah, I guess it really depends on how tough, right? Because I've yeah. seen, I've I've been across the entire spectrum of it. And, you know, I go on there and I talk about the five minute smile a lot, right? So when okay. you're just, you're having a bad day, you put five minutes on your phone and you force yourself to smile and it feels like you're faking it and it feels mm. disingenuous, but you have to keep doing it until you kind of get over that hump. And because, you know, that will start the cascade of neurotransmitters. And then if you look in the mirror and you see it, that accelerates the process. And of course, if you're out and about and you're smiling and people are mirroring that back to you again, it accelerates the process even further. But there were times when I, I was so bad and I realized there are people out there that, you know, telling someone to smile is just like, you know, okay, whatever, right. That's just mm -hmm. not even going to happen. That's how bad it is. And so what I did when I was really trying to pull myself out of that dark hole is I made a promise to myself that no matter what, every day I was going to go outside and it only had to be five to 10 minutes if that's as long as I could give myself. But I was going to go outside. I was going to get light. I was going to get fresh air and I was going to force myself to do it. And I put, you know, an old school calendar on the wall and for 30 days I was going to commit to this. And so every day that I went out, then I put the X and it sounds like not very much, right? I mean, considering everything you think you have to do in a day, but when you're that bad, that is a small step in the right direction. And each time I made that X on the calendar, I gained a little bit of confidence yeah. and a little bit more reassurance, right? And so the next day was a little easier and the next day mm. was a little easier until I got to the end of that month. And I actually became proud of myself for being able to do that because I couldn't do that the month before. Yeah. And then you just kind of build from there. You have to build slowly and you have to understand it's going to take time, mm -hmm. but- this has to, again, this has to come from you. It's not going to come from anyone else. That decision has to be made. And then you have to promise yourself that you're going to act in conformity with that decision, no matter what, because, you know, look at, look what's at stake for you. So again, it's not about hoping that something's going to come from the outside. You've really got to be able to find it inside of you and continue to do it. So whatever that is that you need to do, whether it's go outside, whether it's take a shower every day, whatever that little thing is, start there and then add slowly from that point. Hmm. That's great advice. All right. So tell me, um, I know that you, you have your daughter who inspires you. So who else inspires you? Who, who inspired you to, to go down this path and, and figure this journey out? Well, there were a number of people who inspired me. I mean, yeah. I think number one was my little brother because he's probably the only reason that I did not kill myself. Right. I just, yeah. I couldn't, I could, there was always that thing in the back of my head where I, I could just see him, you know, waking up on Christmas morning one year and being like, why did she do it? You know, and just yeah. having all these questions and not being able to figure them out. And so I, I really, you know, he's, he's been my rock since then and, and really probably my greatest supporter. Your little brother was a huge part of your uh, journey and your, your reason for wanting to get better. And I know that you said your daughter was as well. So, um, you know, as you're going through and you're fighting for these, 
you know, these important moments in your life to come back, you know, these memories from childhood and, and, you know, time with your daughter and time with your little brother and what, at what point, and do you ever say I'm doing this for me or was it an easier process for you to say, I want to do this for him, or I want to do this for my daughter? Yeah. At the beginning, that's what it was for, right? I mean, hanging on was for my brother and starting the journey was for my daughter. Yeah. But as I got into it, I realized how much it needed to be for me because Mm -hmm. everything about the journey was coming from me. Right. When you, when the, when the impetus is from, uh, you know, external, again, it's never going to end up the way that you hoped or envisioned it for yourself because, It can't because there's too many things that are playing into it externally, too many forces on it. Right. But when it's coming from you and it's always coming from the genuine place, then you have the ability to create, you know, the scenario that you want and the feelings that you want and the emotions that you want and the future that you want. So, yeah, I think it's an important lesson to learn that it's got to come from you. And sometimes for people that feels selfish or arrogant, But the more that you do it, the more you realize how important that is and how, you know, you can then teach people that they have to do the same thing. And Mm -hmm. then when it's a relationship, the two of you meet in the middle, right? So a lot of people who have influenced me and inspired me too are my mentors because you, you don't learn this kind of stuff. You know, you can read the books and you can, you know, listen to the podcast and you can maybe do some workbooks and everything else. But until you have someone who's done it, show you that it's possible and the steps that they took to do it, it's very difficult. And so I would say, you know, go out there and find the people that resonate with you because everyone's kind of saying the same thing. It's just that you need someone to say it in a way that makes sense for you. Right. Yeah. You know, um, early on, I started working with Bob Proctor. He just passed away, but he was a huge influence in my life and someone who took me under his wing and really showed me how often I was sitting around feeling sorry for myself. You know, and then I have another mentor, Clint Arthur, who showed me that you know how much self-image really plays into this stuff and how that if you're not out there advocating for yourself, that no one else is going to find you and then you don't have yeah. the ability to share your gifts. So while you might think going on TV sounds really arrogant and which it did to me at the beginning, I had a really hard time with it. I realized how many people started reaching out and needing my help. And if I had not been in a place where they saw me, I never would have been able to help them. So it's really about finding those people again, who are doing this on a higher level than you and uh, mimicking them, just like my daughter was mimicking me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And, and you're right. I mean, sometimes you think what you have to say isn't all that important. You're like, ah, you know, feels arrogant, but at the same time, you never know who's, whose life you can change or who you can inspire just by putting yourself out there and being vulnerable and saying, okay, you know what, this feels really inauthentic right now because I don't feel like I have anything worthy to say, but that person on the other end that you're connecting with, that's exactly what they needed to hear in that moment. So you just never know when your words are going to inspire somebody. Well, it feels inauthentic because you're not used to sitting Mm -hmm. there talking about yourself, but the more that you're saying your message, the Mm -hmm. more you realize how important it is. I was in line at Starbucks yesterday and I started talking to someone and it was a really long line. So they started asking me what I did. And so I started Mm -hmm. telling them part of the story that I just told you. And the next thing I know, this gentleman saying, oh my goodness, I'd 
love to talk to you about my 12 year old daughter. She's having, you know, these same issues and we don't even know where to start. Right. So if, if you didn't have the confidence to do that, Mm -hmm. you know, this person might not have ever opened up and ever asked for help for his daughter who could have gone through the same thing that I went through. Right. Again, it's just needless suffering because we feel like we're not worthy of, of saying what we need to say. Absolutely. Wow. That's, I love it. So tell me a little bit about your books and what prompted you to write the books and and what that process was like for you. Well, my first book was about my journey, about taking all of these ideas that I found when I was trying to search for happiness for my daughter and then how I sort of implemented and put them all together. So just kind of a little, you know, how to of of taking what, again, what resonates for you and using it because not everything that you study is going to work for you. And and that was certainly the case with me. Right. And then uh, I wrote another book just about happiness hacks. Uh, I wrote that with Janae Noonan. She's a a U.S. gold medal MMA champion. And, and so she knew a thing or two about discipline and staying the course. Right. So we, we talked about just simple things that you can do every single day to help you sustain that mood so that you're not dipping too far down. Right. Because Mm. happiness is a sustainable level. You're not up here all the time, whistling and skipping around. Right. You know, those highs come in, you have to, you have to sort of level those out too. So it's about anytime this happens, we can get back to baseline pretty quickly. Uh, and then I did a cookbook, which was all around eating for happiness. So oh, just, interesting. there's like a nostalgia part of it for happiness. There's just a, you know, a good feeling from food, but also the foods that scientifically are proven to help you keep your mood elevated as well and ways you can integrate those into your life. And of course I have all my little stories around that too. So, yeah, well, I'm interested. Tell me, tell me a few foods that help with happiness. This is intriguing. Well, one of my favorites is dark chocolate because yeah, it definitely, it keeps those neurotransmitters high and uh, you know, so it's not like the milk chocolate where, you know, it's just, you're getting more sugar. And so all you want to do is eat more sugar, right? It actually Mm -hmm. sustains your appetite as well. So it gives you a a boost throughout the day, but it's kind of a fun way to do it. And, uh, you know, I take all the dark chocolate I can, and I never feel grossed out because you don't overindulge in it. Right. Right. Yeah. You can't No. So, okay. That's fascinating. I like that. Um, and I know that there are definitely some foods that just make you feel bad, you know, that are just that, that add to, I think just feeling gross all day long, you know, fried foods and and things like that, that fried foods, too much starch. I mean, Mm -hmm. things that you wouldn't think that would bother you. You know, I have in, in your body type is you know, just as diverse as your mood is too. So um, I'm Italian, right? I grew up eating sauce. Tomatoes were everywhere, right? Right. Eat them right off the vine. Mm -hmm. And then I come to find out that my body just doesn't really like tomatoes very much, right? Mm. Which is sort of devastating on some level. But when I stopped eating tomatoes, I felt a lot better. So it's really about getting to know yourself on so many levels and sometimes having to be, you know, harshly honest with yourself too about the things that you're eating and doing and saying and, you know, what does your workout look like? How much water are you drinking? How much attention are you giving to your daily thoughts? Uh, Again, when you're on autopilot and you're just doing things out of convenience, that's not going to help sustain that mood. Absolutely. That's awesome. All right. So tell me, um, as women, this is one of the questions that I always ask as women, we often give our power away. So whether that power is given away to our spouse or our kids or coworkers, Tell me about a time that you gave your power away as a, as a woman and, and tell me about a time that you stepped into your power and what felt different in those moments. 
Yeah. I gave away my power for most of my life, right? Which is yeah. one of the reasons why I was so depressed. I mean, I was completely out of alignment with my heart and what it desired. Yeah. And uh, I had a really difficult time in relationships because I was always sort of seeking that love that I felt like I never really got. Again, I was right. everything was about external. I I believe my worth lied outside of myself. And when I got hmm. that validation back, suddenly I was worthy. But as soon as it wasn't there anymore, I tanked. Um, and that was definitely the case, you know, throughout most of my relationships and my marriage. And then finally, when I got the strength with my daughter to step into this and start studying this stuff, you know, I was ridiculed by wow. a lot of people, including my spouse, who just did not want me to go along for this journey. But it was just too important to me not to do it. And so, I mean, we ended up getting divorced. But I guess the point is that, you know, that's how true to yourself that you have to be. You have to be willing to make those big sacrifices when it comes to, you know, your heart alignment and your path in life. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and I a hundred percent agree with you that it has to come from within and it's a different feeling. It just is a different feeling when you start putting yourself first and you start putting yourself as a priority and saying, you know, what, what I'm going through matters. So that's, that's good. Um, so tell me what advice would you give to your 18 year old self? And I'm sure you've got a ton because you were, you're a very so different much. place, right? You're in such a different place than you were when you were 18. So tell me what you would tell your 18 year old self. Well, I, looking back, I realized that there, there were things that were inherently mine from the beginning that I sort of let go of, right? You're talking about stepping yeah. out of your power. I, I left these on the table and mm. Where self-image, I believe, is something that is that fluctuates throughout your life because your beliefs about yourself change. I believe there are parts of you that you know from the beginning are yours and no one can ever take them away from you. Yeah. And one is for me is resilience, right? I'm a, lot, I'm a lot stronger, more resilient than I ever gave myself credit for. Absolutely. But another was resourcefulness, right? And, and then the last I would say is persistence. So my advice to myself would be just because you don't have it figured out right now, doesn't mean that you're not going to figure it out. It's just, mm. Honestly, it's just keep going. Just keep going because sooner or later, something's going to reveal itself. Something's going to come about. I didn't have very much patience when it came to that kind of thing. I wanted it to just get fixed now. Yeah. But learning that patience through the process was a huge thing for me as well. The, the answers come when they come. Yeah. In the meantime, you've got to learn how to live your life in the moment. And then when the answers reveal themselves, you take them and you implement them. But in the meantime, you don't sit around just waiting for the answer to show up. You go mm -hmm. outside and you see the sunshine, right? I'm going to go watch the fireworks in a couple of days. I'm going to mm -hmm. have some iced tea and I'm going to go work out and enjoy that. I'm going to do all the things that I love to do in the meantime and enjoy my life. And then when things show up that I can utilize and implement and learn from, I'm going to do that. And then I'm going to go back to being in the moment. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's a different kind of mindset than I think that we're taught growing up, right? Everything is a right. means to an end. Whereas happiness is more about, you know, I'm here. And then when stuff comes up, oh, cool. I'm going to, I'm going to do that now. And then I'm going to go back to what I was doing and I'm going to mm -hmm. just enjoy every part of it. Yeah. Being in the moment. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's hard. It's so hard to do sometimes, though, isn't it? Because you're always looking at what's coming up and what am I forgetting? And, you know, even something as simple as, you know, making plans, you know, you're you're so caught up in the the pre-planning and then the I want everything to go well that you, you forget to just enjoy the moment of where you're at. Well, that's why your happiness is hiding from you, because yeah. you're living in another time. You're living, mm-hmm. you know, you're either in the past and you're worried about what has happened and how that's playing out now, or you're in the future and you're worried about a time that hasn't happened. It mm-hmm. doesn't exist anywhere except in your mind, including right. the past, right? Now is all that you really have. So mm-hmm. when you, when you, again, when you're putting your happiness in one of those two places, you know, then it's susceptible to all these distractions and opinions and outside influences instead of realizing that it's here and now inside of you. And right. yeah, you, you have to make plans. You have to, you know, keep your calendar and, you know, make your six month appointments and, you know, make sure that you're, you know, you've got your four week hair appointment scheduled and all of that great stuff, but do it and then let it go, put it on your right. calendar and then walk away from it and get back to where you are right now. Yeah, absolutely. Good. That's awesome advice. So tell me how can somebody find that? Um, what, what would you suggest to somebody who's, who is saying, you know, I think I'm happy, but I just am, I'm struggling with a little bit and, you know, give, give me three tips. What can I do? Give me three things that I can do every day to increase my happiness level. Okay. So I do the five, four, three minute method every day. I call it the five, four, three method. Okay. So the five, okay. The five is the five minute smile. And Mm. I know it sounds kind of crazy and a little bit dumb, but it really is just kind of a reminder for me to not take myself so seriously and to remember yeah. to smile and to be in the moment. And then four minutes of meditation. Okay. Oh, I do good. longer than that, but start out small. Four minutes is all you need. And people really struggle with this because they think, oh my goodness, I've got to, I've got to be somewhere quiet and I've got to be sitting on the floor and I've, you know, I've got to be grounded and I've got to get rid of these thoughts. I don't even know how to do that. So just make it easy on yourself. All you have to do is light a candle. Okay. Mm -hmm. And just sit quietly and stare at the flame. That is enough to redirect the focus from all of this craziness that's going on up here. You're hearing all these voices. Half of them aren't even yours. You Mm -hmm. don't know which one to listen to, but when you can distract yourself from that and refocus to the voice coming from your heart, that voice will tell you everything that you need to know about your happiness. So learn to find it and then learn to listen to it. And then the last thing I do is three minutes. So this is just about creating that self-image I was talking about. Mm -hmm. You just take 90 seconds and you talk to yourself in the mirror, just looking into your right eye and then another 90 into your left. And you do an affirmation about something that you want to change about yourself. So if you're not feeling particularly brave, you know, I would say, Danny DeNovo, you are the bravest woman I have ever met. And I just repeat that looking into my right eye and then into my left eye for three minutes. And then I get on with my day and I don't have to revisit any of that unless I want to. So it's just about, again, reaffirming those things in your mind, because the way that you learn is by repetition. Mm -hmm. So if you're doing it every day and you're repeating it every day, then you're going to start seeing results from it. I love that so much. I've been meditating every morning now before I get out of bed, I'll do like a three or four minute meditation just with like gratitude affirmations. And it it's life-changing. It really is starting your day that way, you know, where you're, where you're reminded of what you're grateful for. You're reminded of how powerful you are. You're reminded of how blessed you are and then getting on with your day. It just puts you in a totally different mindset. 
Right. And it reconnects you, which goes back to the first thing we talked about, right? Is, you know, I say to people all the time, you look at it from a scientific standpoint. Okay. Yeah. Quantum physics says energy is neither created nor destroyed. So, Mm -hmm. you know, your energy, if you just cease to exist, and I'm not talking about shifting energy, like life and death, right? But if if your energy was just to be eradicated, the entire universe would collapse because Mm -hmm. it can't support itself without everything in place, right? Hmm. So if you are that important to the universe, do you not think that the universe probably has your back a little bit more than you're willing to admit? Right, right. right. Reconnecting to that idea is enough to Mm -hmm. be like, yeah, I'm going to go out and do something today, right? Just be a part of it. That's all you have to do. Yeah, I love it. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, I'm a a big proponent of, um, you know, understanding where your place is in the universe. And that's so much more important that you give yourself credit for. Everybody thinks that we're just this little tiny pin dot, you know, in the world, but really, you know, our journeys, each of our journeys is unique. And as long as we can understand that sometimes we don't have to have all the answers, we just know that our journey doesn't stop with what we think it does. You know, that the the path is bigger than what we could ever imagine. The more information that you seek out, the more you're going to realize you're going to have more answers. The work is never done. And when you get to that point of accepting that, it just becomes a fun journey of learning. You don't put the pressure on yourself. You just take it as it comes. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, what are you doing now? Are you consulting with people on, uh, or I know you're, you've written some books, which are amazing best-selling books. Congratulations on that. Thank That's you. amazing. And are you doing some consulting and helping others now in, in their happiness journey? Yes. I do some group coaching and some one-on-one coaching, and you can find all of that on my website. I also have some online programs that I just have out there for people who kind of want to dip their toe into the water and see yeah. how they feel about it. Oh, so yeah, awesome. there's, there's a lot of great resources on my site. It's just dannydenovo.com. It will link awesome. you to other things too. And you can find my media there. So, you know, if you want to watch some of the TV clips too, that just give you some yeah. quick tidbits on how to like get happy or help your kids get happy. That's all there too. Yeah. Well, and I think that's so important when you're mentioning kids, because, you know, I'm hearing more and more studies that there are so many teenagers and children on antidepressants right now. And, you know, they're, they're dealing with different stressors than what we had when we were growing up. And, and I think it's a combination of there's more resources available. There's more, you know, there's more awareness of mental health than there was a long time ago, you know, or when I was a kid before it was just like, get over it, tough up, toughen up, you know, <laughs> like right. it was kind of that, like, buck up and get over it kind of idea. But now I think there's just more resources and awareness of mental health. And, um, but I, as a result, I think there's more children who are on antidepressants, but, um, you know, hopefully if they can find some tools that they can implement in their lives, I think lives, and I think they're, they'll be a lot better off. And yeah, like you were saying, medication is not always the answer. No, it's not. It scares me a little bit sometimes when it comes to kids, but honestly, if you want to help your kids help yourself, Mm -hmm. because if they see you being happy, seeing you implement these things every day, if you're being honest with them about how you're going about implementing these things every day, instead of just assuming that they're picking it up, then you're going to see a huge thing change. My whole basis for kids is the mirror child thing. If you have an anxious kid, it's because you're anxious, maybe not in the same way, but somehow you're displaying that activity. If your kid's not happy, it's because you probably lost part of you somewhere in that happiness journey. So Hmm. it really becomes, you know, looking in the mirror and seeing what you can alter and what you can change and allowing your kids to see that journey, you know, fail in front of them, let them see you try, let them see you re-engage with passion. That's how we learn this stuff by, you know, like I was saying, find that mentor. You can be that happiness mentor for your child. 
Yes, 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 absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Um, One last question that I have for you. What do you wish more people knew? That the power really does lie within yourself. Yes. That it's not easy, but it is simple. So Mm -hmm. if you allow yourself to go through some of the, you know, discomfort of it all and accept yourself for who you are in this moment, Mm -hmm. allow yourself to grow on your own timeline. No one else's. There's so much magic behind that. You don't need to suffer needlessly. There's so much help out there. Don't be afraid to go out and find it and, and stop caring what other people think this is about you and nobody else. Yes. I love it. Thank you so much. I love it. Very inspirational. You have so much great insight and I have loved talking to you today. So thank you, Danny DeNovo, um, for all of your time today and for all of your gifts in, in inspiring our audience. I really appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate you. Have a great day. Thank you. So be sure to join us next time on the Pretty Powerful Podcast and please like, subscribe, turn on notifications so that you don't miss our next show. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Thank you for joining our guests on the Pretty Powerful Podcast. And we hope you've gained new insight and learned from exceptional women. Remember to subscribe or check out this and all episodes on prettypowerfulpodcast.com. Visit us next time. And until then, step into your own power.